I don't know how many of you make New Year's resolutions, and I don't know how many of those last, even until February, but I think you'll all agree the hardest thing in that video would probably be eating broccoli, right? <laughs> eating more vegetables, let's just give me hot dogs and hamburgers, or maybe that's my New Year's resolution. But I think all of us, however last year was, 2018, maybe it was a great year for you, maybe it wasn't such a great year for you, but probably we would all like to have some even better uh, year this year. And um, the good news is, Jesus wants that for us too. Jesus said that he came uh, to this world so that, um, he said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I've come uh, so that we, his disciples, may have an abundant life. Not just an ordinary life, but a good life, an abundant life. Different translations will translate that differently. This is the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but the Son of Man, Jesus, comes so that we may have uh, a good and abundant life. So God wants this for us too, actually. And so I'm not sure what that might mean for you or might, what might that look for you or if, even if you have made some New Year's resolutions. Some of us want to be perfect uh, because uh, we're just, that's who we are. That's how we grew up, we're perfectionists. And so sometimes we want to be perfect because we, um, we think people would like us more. We'll get more friends or we'll, just, more ha- we'll be more satisfied, right? If, if we could just be perfect in this one area, I'll be happy. Or for whatever reason it is, we, we long for this perfection, but um, it's not, it doesn't exist. Like, we're not going to be perfect. And so, and it's unattainable. It causes more anxiety, doesn't it, when we're attaining this goal that will not happen. But, so I want to introduce this to you today. The slogan is better is, is better than a perfect. Better is attainable. Maybe there's something, some area in our life where we can, just a little bit better, and we can... Um, enjoy God's, God's gifts, his good life for us. So maybe there's something just better than last year. And so I know this is a time, it's the first Sunday of a new year, and so often we think about these things. And so I just wanted to introduce uh, this to you today and look at a passage uh, in the scripture that talks about um, Paul, who is pretty amazing, the apostle. We wouldn't be here, I don't think, it's fair to say. Of course, we wouldn't be here without Jesus, but it was Jesus through Paul that spread the gospel throughout the world. And most of the New Testament was written right by Paul. Jesus, he was inspired by God to write. So Paul is a pretty amazing person in church history. He's done amazing things, planted all these churches, like wrote stuff that was just, we still studying and writing commentaries like, wow, Paul, he's so brilliant, he was intelligent. He's an amazing person, but he had some pretty strong weaknesses. And he even said that of all the sinners in the world, like I am the worst and um, he's got a good point. He was, he was pretty bad right before he met Jesus on that Damascus road. Like he, but he was changed, transformed. And so he'll say things like uh, he boasts in his weakness because God's grace is sufficient for him. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You can open up there if you want your Bibles. We're going to go through that passage a little bit more slowly in a bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. How could he, how would he do that? And how, how why is that even necessary? I think we hide our weaknesses, generally. We don't want people to see where we're weak or where we're lacking. But the Apostle Paul flips that around. He, that's what he boasts in, because it's in his weakness where God is strong. How does that even work? You know, if you follow us on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, um, 
Thank you. If you don't, I encourage you to because there's a lot, you know, stuff that you were scrolling through and there's some not so nice things and sometimes we, we get more anxious because, oh, how come I'm missing out on that party? No one invited me to this or, or like, you know, it's... But we have Instagram and Facebook and we're putting out some, some posts that will hopefully cause you to stop scrolling and to remember uh, things about God and to enter into meaningful dialogue or conversation with one another. Sometimes it's just a fun thing for us to, to, to chat amongst each other. Maybe you have a 15-minute break at work, and, and it might bring you back you know, to, to who you are as a brother and sister in Christ here at, at Cornerstone. So if you're not following us in Instagram or, or Facebook, I encourage you to. Uh, there's, um, sometimes we'll encourage you to just stop for 30 seconds. 30 seconds is not very long, right? Just stop, and we'll have a timer. And just Thank God for all the good things in your life. And so it, it causes us to, okay, I'm going to stop for 30 seconds. And uh, one person commented, oh, that was the best 30 seconds I spent this week. And so we're encouraging. We, we like to help you. So if you can, one of the conversations, though, this past week, um, you can put the next screen up. It's not going to show. This was made for social media, not for a big screen. But we asked you this question. Uh, which is the hardest for you to say? So I know you can't read it. Some of you already know what it says because you were commenting on this. Which is the hardest for you to say? Number one, I love you. Is that hard for you to say? Or I was wrong, I'm sorry. Maybe that's harder for you to say. Or number three, I need help. Is that harder? Or number four, Worcestershire worse, worse sauce. Perhaps that's the hardest. Or number five, I appreciate you. And so uh, people commented on that. Which, which is the hardest for you to say? Many of you, um, actually the most popular answer was number three. I need help. So I'm imagining that's probably the same for most of you. That is the hardest for you to say, I need help. Because when we say, you know, I need help, what are we saying? We're saying I'm weak and I'm not independent. Like I need something. And so I don't know if that's the same for you or not, but uh, following the example in scriptures, this is, um, it's good for us to just admit our weakness, our weak area, where we're not strong, where we need something. And I was able to... um, a couple of weeks ago, someone asked me how something was going, and I said, well, I'm not very good. I think I need help. And I was able to text that back, and, and this person's helping me. It's great. See how that works? And often, uh, I think many of us are eager to help other people. It's part of who we, we I love to help you. And it's not, oh, I don't want to be a burden to other people, but you never think people are being burdened to you because you like to, to help. Generally, I think we like to be generous and we like to help. And so admitting that is um, a first step. I need help, but it's okay. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and see, um, it'll take us a little while to get to the end where Paul is saying, I, I am so happy for my weakness. I'm so happy for this thorn in my flesh because this is really good for me. And I, that's what I boast in because Paul could boast in a lot of things, couldn't he? Like a lot of stuff. You know, he knows Hebrew. Everyone knew Hebrew back then, so, you know, not really a big boast. But I know all these things, but he didn't boast in that. He boasted in his weakness. Can we boast in our weakness? Do you know what your weakness is? If someone were to ask you, where, um, you know, where's, the, where's the chink in your armor? Where's the weak spot? If someone were to attack you, you know, there's some video games, right? I, I haven't played video games lately, but back in my day, there'd be a weak spot right in the person's stomach. And if you get it right there, then they go down. So where, where's your weakness? Where's your weak spot? And let's, um, ironically, let's embrace that. And uh, let's be open to admit we need help. Because if we don't, we don't get it. And um, well, anyways, let's just look. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Let's begin looking through that. This, we're, it's at the beginning of a chapter, but it is kind of in the midst of, of uh, 
a theme that Paul is talking about. Uh, he's, he's got these um, opponents who, you know, he planted the church in Corinth and then he left and he hears things, so he's writing, they're asking him questions, so he's writing back and, and some of these opponents are boasting about certain things and Paul's like, I don't want to boast about those things, but okay, if I have to. And so it's starting even in chapter 11, he talks about some of the things that these people were boasting about. And, and so anyways, we're kind of beginning of the chapter, but it's in the midst of this train of thought. And uh, so chapter 12, verse 12, he says, I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations uh, from the Lord. So we have, it seemed like in that church, in that community, there were people that were boasting about these visions that they had or these, these extra uh, supernatural, maybe miracles or things that they were able to do or how they were, had these special revelations. And so this is why you know, I am so important and you should listen to me, not the Apostle Paul. And so I've got you know, a different gospel or I've got something to share with you. And, and people probably liked that. It seemed like they were drawn towards that. Here's someone who, when he's around, these amazing things happen and he's got these special revelations and visions. And, and it is true that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and even today, but it's very apparent in the Old Testament, they were, that's how God spoke. He would give visions to people and then he would speak to his people. And, and even, even Paul and Peter, they had visions that helped to change some of their theology and some of their thinking about God. So we're not, we're not denying that those things happen. They do happen. But people sometimes put too much importance on that, on the miraculous or on the supernatural. I think, well, that gives this person more authority or, or this is really what we long for and it's easy to flock to that. So we do not want to deny those experiences. And Paul is saying, you know, I must go on. He'd already been boasting in chapter 11, boasting. He says, I must go on, although there's nothing to be gained. So it's really useless you know, to boast about these things. But you're kind of forcing me. So I will go on uh, to talk about visions and revelations uh, from the Lord. And then in verse two, he says, I know a man okay, in Christ. This is, um, you know, when someone comes to you and says, you know, I have a friend who, you know, has a problem. Or that they're really talking about themselves. I mean, sometimes it's their friend, but it's hard for us to, to uh, we talk in the third person, right? You know, I heard that someone said this. Well, it's actually, you know, so some, this is what Paul's doing. Actually, I, we don't really know why, but it's obvious as we get into the next verse, he's talking about himself, even though he's saying about this man. You know, I know a man who... And, you know, if I were that, I could boast about that man, but I'm not going to, but it's, it's him. He's talking about himself. So he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. So 14 years ago, I'd put him, you know, around that time, uh, shortly after his conversion, where he was, went to, um, he was kind of away, a silent time for a few years. And so this is, seems to be around that time when he had these, fantastic visions and revelations, which he does not want to boast about, uh, but he's kind of forced to because this is kind of where the Corinthian church is. And he says he was caught up to the third heaven. Like, what is the third heaven? Like, that's God's dwelling. That's where God lives in heaven. I guess there's like even a higher one or something. That's pretty amazing. I don't know what that might look like. He says, but I was caught up to the third heaven. And he says, whether it's in the body or out of the body, like, I'm not even, I don't know. That's not important. God knows. But he had these fantastic visions and revelations. And I know that this man, um, whether in the body or apart from the body, I guess that he says, I don't know, it's not, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Wow, that's pretty fantastic. What kind of, and someone having that kind of, they must be really important. They must be extra special. That's pretty amazing. What, what would that be like? 
He says, I, I heard things that were, I just, I'm not allowed to tell. That, that's how important they were. Like, I can't share them with you. I, these inexpressible things. So, yeah, they've got visions. I've got visions too. That's kind of what Paul's saying. They've got these special, so like, whoop de do. Like, he doesn't really want to boast about these things, but he, he's kind of forced to um, because he's concerned about what these people are believing. But he could boast about these things if he wanted to. But he says, I will boast about a man like that. I mean, he's talking about himself, tongue in cheek, but I will not boast about myself. Except, this is so strange, right? I will not boast about myself. Except about my weaknesses. You ever boast about your weaknesses? Oh, guess how bad I am at basketball. I'm real, I, I suck. I'm, I'm so bad that, you know, I'm the worst. But we don't boast about our weaknesses, right? But Paul says, I boast. I'm not going to boast. I could, because this is pretty amazing. Like, have you ever been, you know, had this experience where God gave you this direct revelation, and you're like your third heaven or whatever that might mean, and in the body, I'm not even sure God knows, but like, that's pretty special. And I could come here and I could just tell you, this is, look how important I am. This, it must be pretty important, right? Because you guys don't have that, so listen to me, right? But Paul could boast kind of like these other people are boasting. And, and you know, I've been in, boast about his hardships and, and all these things that he suffered, but he's, you know, if I'm going to boast, he says, I, I'll boast about my weaknesses, where I'm weak, the places where I need help. That's what I'll boast about. Isn't that bizarre? Like it, we don't do that, do we? Do you? Maybe you do. Maybe, okay, maybe this is just for me. So I'll boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. So strange. He says, even if I should choose to boast, I wouldn't be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. So even if he does boast about these revelations and visions, I mean, it's true, so it's not foolish. Other people maybe were exaggerating or maybe making up things, but not so even if Even if I did, it's not foolish of me to do that, because it's true. But he says, but I refrain. So no one will ever think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. So I, I just want people to think of me as, as you know me, as, as I am, and things that I say and things that I do, not because of you know, special gifts that God has given me or special experiences or dreams or visions or, or like how many churches I've planted. or all. That's all. You know, I'm not going to boast about those things. I just want you to, I'm not trying to make myself look extra special. This is just me, by who I am, by what I do. So, so I, I could. If anyone has reason to boast, Paul does. But he says, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I don't want anyone to think more of me than is warranted by my actions. Or, or I don't want them to think more of me because of these surpassingly great revelations. Like, whatever. It was great, but it's not for me to stand on. It's not my podium that I'm going to stand on here. Therefore... In order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. That's a mouthful. I was, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to tor- torment me. A lot of sermons have been preached, a lot of books have been written, about what, what is a thorn in the flesh? We really don't know. But there's a lot of possibilities, and, and we can look at this thorn in the flesh. Is that used you know, in other, other uh, you know, books or letters back in those days? What is, that, uh, what is that referring to? And so a lot of people have done all that research. We know flesh could mean uh, physical. So it could be like a physical you know, thorn, a physical spike, like a tent peg. Um, it could be maybe Paul has really bad eyesight. 
You know, because sometimes he says, um, you know, I look at the letters I write in my, how large I write in my own hand, he says in another letter, or, or some people been praying for it. Maybe it's just really bad eyesight, a physical problem. It could be, um, some have said it could be even something like migraines, like a physical thing like that. It could be something, like a physical, maybe we call it an impairment or, or some sort of, dis- we don't know, it could be that. It's also, um, would not be, um, it's acceptable to also, uh, translate this into kind of like an emotional uh, thorn or some like emotional thing. Maybe it's like depression or, or maybe it's just uh, an anxiety. Or maybe, That's also a possible explanation of these words, thorn in flesh, because flesh could mean physical. It could mean um, like you're, just who you are as a, as in your person. And so there's so many different explanations. We don't really know what, the, what, the, what this was. And so if anyone's going to tell you, I know exactly what it was. Well, we don't. But whatever they're saying is a possibility. There's a wide range, so we don't really know. But it's a messenger of Satan. That's pretty um, strong. A messenger of Satan to, to torment me. Sometimes, maybe often or always, I don't know, never say always, right? But often in the scriptures when people have this, a special experience with God, maybe they meet him face to face, or they have a, a special revelation, then there's often kind of a consequence to that. So for example, Jacob, when he was able to wrestle you know, with God, not his hips, you know, out of joint, you know, for the rester. So sometimes there's, there's a, a natural consequence that comes from that, and, and it had a good purpose. It says it was to torment me, so um, in order to, right, keep Paul from being conceited, so there was benefit for this. Because I've had such of these great visions and revelations, you know, I was three years out of the desert, or wherever I was after God, you know, and even his transformation, his, his conversion stories are pretty amazing too, right? But he's not using that, this is light, right? Remember that coming? That's pretty amazing. He's not using that to boast, but this is, I could, and I could feel very proud, and I could feel special, and I could feel better than you because I've had these great experiences, but I was given this to, to keep me from becoming like that. There's a good purpose for it, to keep me from becoming conceited. So we don't believe that this is uh, Satan's doing, we don't believe that this is from Satan. We believe this is from God who is using Satan, is a messenger of Satan, but it's for good purposes. And so Satan doesn't do anything for good. He always just leaves for bad. But this is to help keep Paul um, humble. I think Satan would have wanted it the other way around. They can make him proud and arrogant and to cause all sorts of destruction. And so this messenger of Satan, it's um, used by God to keep him kind of like normal or whatever that means, humble, Right? He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, it took Paul 14 years probably to get to this point. He wasn't just like, okay, sure, oh, whatever, this is great. This is 14, he's talking about this 14 years after, after the fact. And three times, so more than once, he had prayed, God, take, take this away from me because I feel like it's a hindrance. Like, I want to plant churches. I want to spread the gospel. And this is stopping me. Like, I could do so much more if I didn't have this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, if it's an emotional thing or a physical thing or, or whatever it is. Like, I could do so much more, so please take it away. He didn't get there, right? It took him 14 years at least, or at the most, to get to this point. But he's here, and he realizes, no, I, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I was told, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So opposite of what we normally think, right? Weakness equals power. 
So then Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'm not going to boast about these visions and revelations and special experiences that I've had that you haven't had or maybe you have. I'm not going to boast about those. I'm sure they're very, they're very transformational, formational for Paul, but he's not going to boast about those. He's just going to say, I'll boast about my weaknesses. Why? Why would you ever boast about how bad you are at something? Or why would you boast about your weaknesses? Or why would you boast about a, a mental um, situation that you're in or like a physical problem or you know why would you do that would Paul boast about his his anxiety or his depression or would he boast about his bad eyesight or like what, what is he boast we don't know but why would you boast about that why would you so proud of that not you know proud but why would you talk about that so openly he tells us he says I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me that's pretty powerful eh power of Christ is, is all the power in the world. But we limit that. We limit Christ's power in us when we don't acknowledge that we need help. When we don't acknowledge that, you know, maybe I have a weakness. Like, guess what? You have a weakness. You probably have more than one, and so do I. Like, we do. We're humans. And stop aiming for perfection. Because someone once said, I thought it made me laugh because it was so true, but like, it's not going to give you more friends. It's not going to make you more satisfied. It's not going to do whatever you think is going to do. There's only one person in the world who is perfect. And what happened to him? They killed him. So it's not going to work. Perfection is not good for you. Okay, but maybe there's an area in your life where you could improve a little bit because God wants you to have an abundant life. And probably, my guess is, it's not going to start getting better until you're able to admit, you know, it's, uh, I need help. This is a weak point in my life. This is something that I struggle with. And this is something I wish I didn't have, but stop hiding it. Let people know. Let someone know. You don't have to let everyone know. But I need help. We all need help. And guess who loves to help? God and Jesus. Like He knows already. You're not hiding anything from him. You might be hiding you know, from your family or from your spouse or, or from your pastor, but you're not hiding from God. He already knows. So let him know that you know that he knows. That's what you're doing. Like, God, I, I need help. Because when Paul say, when, when Paul boasts about these weaknesses, that's what Christ's power is like in its fullness. And you may not know this. You may not recognize this, but you need that. You need Christ's power in all its fullness in your family, and in your life, in your studies. You need it. We all need that. Verse 10, he says, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Paul, you're so weird, right? I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. These are also ways that you can interpret thorn in the flesh. Like it could be referring to persecution that he's experiencing from, from the Jewish people, maybe, or from, from his, whatever. These are all... Part of the, we don't know exactly what the thorn in the flesh is, but it could be this. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. And look at what he says. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Do you understand how that works? Do you get that? It's not like, he's not saying Christ's power comes in and overrides the weakness. He's not saying that it comes and replaces the weakness. He's just saying like, that is the strength. That is Christ's power. Like when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And so I know we have weaknesses. We have weaknesses that, you know, as a community, we have weak individuals, we all have weaknesses and, and things that we don't want to admit 
and ask for help, but I, I believe that's where it's going to start. If you want to have a better year than last year, you might just have to suck it up and say, you know, here's something I need help in. And uh, I don't know if you have anyone like that. I pray, and I will pray that you do. I also, um, I also want to encourage you to join a life group. Um, if you, it's for everyone. And our life groups, they aren't Bible studies. We're not going to you know, dive deep and no one's going to be teaching you or correcting you. It's just we, we go over the sermons and, and you, just, you give your opinion and everything's okay. Let's just discuss and talk about this. And you do life together. And so some of the life groups know things about some, and they're praying for them. And we don't even know all the issues. That, but in your life group, you may find someone. You know, here's something I, I need something to say. And um, I hope that you can find that. But the first thing is to recognize that it's, it's kind of an oxymoron, but your weakness is your strength. Does that make sense? I don't know what it is, because I don't know what it was for Paul. And yes, Paul's situation is a little bit different. He was saying, this, this was given to me be, to keep me um, from becoming arrogant, to conceited. And he did ask for it to be removed, and so we don't want to just give up to his, oh, you know, that's just, you know, don't pray. It's just, I'm the martyr, and, and this, you know, that's how it is. Let's earnestly pray, because maybe it's something God wants to heal you from. I'm not saying that's not the, not the case, but don't give up too easily. You know, 14 years for Paul, we got to that point. But, so you can't pray for it if you're not admitting that you need it, though. You can't ask for prayer if you're not admitting it's a weakness. And so is, is there someone around you or in your family or in your community, or maybe start, you know, test out a life group and, and find someone, you know, here's, I need prayer because I'm not strong and I'm weak. And you'll find out that will become your strength. So bizarre, right? But usually what we think is kind of the opposite of what it is in the kingdom of God, right? The least are the winners, right? The losers are the winners, right? We're just backwards. Your weakness is your strength. And so I know that it's hard for you to ask for help because you told me that on Instagram and Facebook this week. And it makes sense. Right, you, when, even if you didn't see that Facebook post and I said this is the most recorded answer, you're like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I need help, it's hard to say. Can you find someone? If you don't know, move, pray for someone. That you can, you know, I, and if you can't, until you find that person, at least tell it to God. Say, God, I know that you know. I want you to know that I know that you know. I'm weak. I need strength. I need your help. I need help from someone or somewhere. So would you at least start there? Admit your weakness to God, and then let's pray for other people to come alongside. And maybe because of that, this will become a better year than whatever last year was for you. Even if your last year was amazing, let's make this year better. Can we do that? Happy New Year. Let me pray for you as we sing our last song. Heavenly Father, you are such a good God, and you're a good father. And even those of us who are fathers, we always long for the best for our children. We're not always able to do that, but you can, God, and, and so much more you're able to. Thank you for wanting what's good for us. Lord, help us to just embrace who we are, to accept ourselves. We know that you love us, but help us to experience that. Give us the strength to admit we're not perfect and we're never going to be. That's hard. But Lord, we need your power in our life. We so desperately need it. And, and if we're withholding, or if we're blocking, if we're, if we're making 
an obstacle to receiving this power, from just our humility, then make us humble. Give us the strength to admit what we need because we do all need your help. So help us. Jesus, isn't that your name? Like you save, he saves, save us, help us, redeem us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.